Everybody and welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. I'm Sam Wilson. Joining me today, three lovely people: Zach Schneider, Troy Hensley, and Sharon Wilson. Yay! That's my mama. Today we'll be reviewing Ghostbusters 1984, the original Ghostbusters directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Spoilers ahead for Ghostbusters, but first, Zach, how you doing today? Doing great, doing great. Yeah, I've been feeling good all week. Uh, Just found out that uh, I do have sleep apnea, but I'm getting worked on, so I'll finally get a good night's sleep. Good. Alrighty. Haven't had one of those before. Troy, Troy, what have you been doing this week? Uh, lots of paperwork and, uh, getting everything ready for three funny dudes. I was excited about everything being handled with the IATSE because that's going to save us some time. And now I'm getting ready for, I'm getting my stand up ready because I'll be performing November 5th in Milledgeville. Uh, and then next year I'll be putting together a, uh, stand up tour. So yay. Lots of stuff. Awesome. Excellent. Mama, what are you up to? Uh, well, I just got back from Portland, Oregon, where I went on a beer tour. It was very nice, and visited your brother. Um, let's I don't see. Know who that oh, is. I had a, I had a, <laughs> I had a callback audition that I had to do from a hotel room. So that was exciting and That's new. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> fingers crossed on that. But Ooh, yes. other than that, just trying to get back on Eastern time and off of damn Pacific time. <laughs> <laughs> we always run behind over here. Mr. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It was my birthday two days ago. So yeah. I had some, yeah. had some What? It was your birthday? That. What? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. You I forgot. Keen, it's I not keen. like that was... It's not like that was a significant day in your life or anything like that. It's not like you actually. It's not like you actually remember it, unlike me. It's not so like I did anything, anything big, right? If you anything, know? it's a bigger deal. I mean, deal you were for... the one that vacated my womb. Exactly. I was say I mean, it's a more memorable day for you than it was for me. Uh, crawled your way, crawled your way to freedom. The old eviction exactly. day. No, it was fun. Had some people over. Got got the fire pit going. Yeah, had a good good little uh, good little night nice little party and yeah other than that just been uh just been working a lot yeah so having having a good time over here i just saw this movie uh yesterday uh it's a movie that's actually not doing very well in the box office but i saw the last duel which mm-hmm. is uh matt damon ben affleck mm-hmm. movie i actually recommend this movie it's okay. I, it's actually really good it's actually really really good i i it's one of those movies mm-hmm. where you get to see the same events from three different perspectives and it, it kind of shows the unreliable unreliable narrators of this little, is how this is how Kurosawa. this character perceived it <laughs> yeah this is how this character perceived it this is how this character perceived it and then you know the, the the third character's perspective is probably the one that's closest to the actual truth but but it's it's a really interesting uh movie with great performances uh it's directed by Ridley Scott and written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck as well as the third writer so it's 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 it was actually a really good movie i i do recommend it well you know why it's not doing good it's it's not doing well because you know people are going in there thinking they're going to see Goodwill Hunting Part Two, you know, and, and then they Good- get that. <laughs> I'm like, Goodwill Hunting Two, hunting season. It's actually going to be made. Let's do it. Hunting season. Let's go. God, it's like probably the best part of 
uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is when you actually get a scene from Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season, <laughs> and uh, and and Matt Damon you know takes out the shotgun and shoots shoots the you know, that that douchey ponytail guy from, from, the, from the movie. It's oh, like, that, how about them apples, guy? <laughs> yeah, no, that guy. He he like kills him. He's like, it's hunting season. It's like it's so funny. It's so good. So are you uh, are yeah. you telling me that Dogma wasn't Goodwill Hunting? too <laughs> yeah no, that bitch. one too it's like <laughs> the only thing that was missing from the last duel was kevin smith obviously but uh, <laughs> but yeah no honestly the reason i i've been reading some stuff out of this the real reason why i think that movie is doing poorly is because it's the type of movie that skews towards an older audience and the older audiences are not going to the theater right now that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to is that we're all afraid yeah. of the rona <laughs> exactly like young young people don't give a shit young people are saying fuck it but this isn't a movie with with really young demographic it's like this really heady period drama mm-hmm. um and i like all movies so i'll go see whatever but like you know people most people of like you know our age like zach and i's age group and younger are not gonna see the last duel they're gonna see venom 2 you know it's <laughs> like it's you know so i think that's really the reason but uh but yeah um let's do some other pre-show topics there were was a, a DC event uh, a couple weekends ago where s- some news came out as well as a, a, the, the new trailer for the Batman starring Robert Pattinson directed by Matt Reeves. Have you guys gotten to see this trailer and what did you think of it? Yeah, I've seen it twice now mm-hmm. and um, it's a really slick trailer. I, I gotta mm-hmm. give it that and as yeah. much as I do not like Robert Pattinson and I'm and I know that it's it's irrational it, it mm-hmm. stems from the whole twatlight thing but um i think he looks great as the batman Mm -hmm. and i had a real problem with how he looks as bruce wayne but then as i was thinking about it it occurred to me i almost think they might be going for an anime aesthetic because he looks like an anime character to me you know with that floppy hair and the Mm -hmm. you know brooding stances and the shadows and even the rest of the trailer if you look at it Mm And with kind of like an eye toward this might be anime, I think it actually works. So that maybe, maybe that's what they're going for. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. But other, other than that, I think it looks pretty good. I mean, I'm, I think Zoe Kravitz looks amazing as Catwoman. I'm she, she was the standout yeah. from the trailer. It's like oh, I'm yeah. really excited for her as as Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also interested in Colin Farrell. As I literally could not recognize him. He's he's unrecognizable. Hey, listen, so, what, what, yes. Yes. Wait, Colin yeah. Farrell was in that? Who's Colin he's, Farrell? He's, he's the, the penguin. penguin. The penguin oh is Colin Farrell. God. He's in a lot of makeup. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's really Colin good makeup Farrell, though. Yeah. Like I didn't see any flaws. I've seen it twice. It's I good. totally it, didn't even see that. Silicone makes all the difference. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta give him this. From what I can see, he's taking that role with both hands. He's, he's yes. going for it. Yes. Yeah. Wow. This is the penguin we have good wanted for, for a long time. Uh, it's darker. Mm-hmm. I love that we're we're going into this darker world. Um, okay, I say that, but I am not a big fan of of Nolan's Batman. 
I'm going to leave that alone after I said that. But I do like this darker look. <laughs> you, see, you see me going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't want to get derailed because at some point on Nerd Shit, we are going to do those movies. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to save most of the discussion. For I would that love that. Because I, I have the same reaction. Mm-hmm. But, but this, I've, I've heard you say this that. This darker, more realistic look at, at the Batman. I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um. I, uh, Zach mentioned that it's a uh, it's a Bruce Wayne that doesn't really know who he is yet. He's becoming his Bruce Wayne, and I like that. Um, you're absolutely right about that, uh, Zach. He he's finding himself, and the the biggest thing about Batman and Bruce Wayne is that he's one person, and he's got to figure out how to coexist with each other because he has to treat it like two different people. He's also um, younger than any yes. any uh, Bruce Wayne that that yes. than we've seen on on screen so far. I, so, I find it fascinating. Ex- except the one in Gotham, but yes, I, I, well, I see what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> on the big screen. That's a baby. That yes. is a literal <laughs> infant on Gotham. Exactly. <laughs> well, in some ways, there, there's things about this that remind me of Gotham, about the, the yes. TV show Gotham, actually, of kind of I seeing agree. like yeah, in earlier versions of, mm-hmm. of these characters. Like, it's well, it feels very... Um, I think uh, the the two comic storylines that I think this is drawing a lot from are Batman Year One mm-hmm. and uh, the Long Halloween. I think mm-hmm. is also a big one that, yeah. that are, are kind of be the, the two big inspirations for this particular uh, film and in, in the direction they're going with it. Like again, I I, I love Ca- Catwoman. I just love as a character, mm-hmm. and I think Zoe Kravitz looks awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think she looks so good, and I I like I enjoyed Michelle Pfeiffer, but I like the more grounded versions of Catwoman. I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, the version of her and actually the, I liked the, the young version of her in Gotham and I also mm-hmm. liked uh, I liked Anne Hathaway as the character too and mm-hmm. uh, Dark Knight Rises and I think that this is going to be yeah I, I think she's going to be a really good version of the character I think Pattinson looks great I like seeing uh, Andy Serkis as Alfred I yes. actually forgot that he was playing Alfred but I'm not sure how I feel about that I'm, I'm a yeah. little I'm on the fence with that I'm going to wait gonna and see he's going to be more like the I'm, Alfred I'm on, on Gotham that's what it is. He's I they, they kind of set up to be God that Alfred yeah. on God. I love I love my God. He's honestly one of my favorite characters in that show. Yeah. Yes, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. I think Matt Reeves is a great director, and I love the Riddler, and I'm I like that. It looks oh, like the Riddler is yes. going to be the main mm-hmm. bad guy. It looks like well, it looks like Penguin's going to be involved, but I think the main main villain looks like it's going to be Riddler, and I'm really excited yeah. about that because we've never gotten like a serious version of the Riddler. You know, we just got yes. Jim Carrey, you know, as, uh, yeah. as just the goofy Riddler. <laughs> like I always want to see like I always said if, if I'm I'm glad that the Nolan trilogy was just a trilogy, but I was gonna say if they ever made a fourth Nolan movie, I would have wanted to have seen Christopher Nolan's take on the Riddler. I think mm-hmm. would have been really cool, and I think that what they're doing in this feels like it's along those lines of like the really kind of serious version of it but this does look more stylized mm-hmm. than the Nolan movies and I kind of like that I yeah. think me that we're, we're kind of taking sort of the middle path mm-hmm. it it uh it reminds me it does remind me of Gotham it reminds me of the Arkham video games too mm-hmm. it reminds me of that series so I think that there, there's a lot that I, I am actually very excited about when it comes to this film. Uh, one thing I was going to say was, did you hear about, related to this, mm-hmm. the um, media campaign to have Kristen Stewart play the Joker in this new <laughs> What? I swear to God, I am not making this shit up. I am not making this shit up. So there was a contingent of K-Stew fans who okay. wanted her to play the Joker. Okay. <laughs> So and she was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. 
I'm going to have a hot take on this. Uh, Kristen Stewart, I I hated Twilight. I'm I'm stealing that. I love that you call it Twilight. Yeah. I'm stealing that <laughs> from from now on. It shall be known as Twilight. Twilight was like the anti Buffy. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the author, she who shall not be named, was like, okay, they did this feminist thing. What's the most anti feminist thing that I can do? Oh, this is what I can do, and that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. And Kristen <laughs> Stewart, and even I was on this boat where everybody dogged her out and talked about how she can't act and how she's horrible. And the only reason why she's a big actress is because she's willing to sleep with the director and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I'm not saying that's what, that's what you're saying, uh, Sharon, but I am saying that that's what the media has done. And these last few years, Kristen Stewart has kicked ass in her roles. She has come out with some really amazing uh, movies And as someone that has the Joker on my bucket list, I have a script, I have a web series written out, and I'm waiting for the time where I play a Southern Genteel Joker, but he's older. So I'm almost to the age where I can play this character. That script is in my files and it's ready for me to go, but I'm ready for something new. A woman Joker would not be a bad idea. It would be interesting. No, I I agree. You just blew my Mm -hmm. mind with that. I don't know about Kristen Mm -hmm. Stewart. Um, I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't snub her. Mm-hmm. If there's anything that Heath Ledger, and I'm going to be the first one to admit this, if there's anything that Heath Ledger taught me, it's keep your mouth shut until you see them perform. Because Heath Ledger, I was in that group that was like, oh my God, this is going to be so horrible. Him as the Joker, there's no way he could pull it off. But the Joker that was written, Heath Ledger nailed it. Nailed it. I'd be open to a Kristen Stewart Joker, especially with Robert Pattinson. Everybody mm-hmm. wants them together. Yeah. Well, and that's exactly why she's, she's, yeah, she's mm-hmm. like saying, they, they asked her about it mm-hmm. and she's like, uh, well, I, I love the idea of playing like some unhinged character, but, mm-hmm. uh, we've already done this, you know, meaning yeah. and Pattinson yeah. have already done this. <laughs> Let, let's do something new. She yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. want to work with him again, you know, and I, I don't blame her, you know, because mm-hmm. when they were together, they were forced into this. Yeah, this coupling, you know, this media it was a bad persona experience for them. Yeah, it was a bad mm-hmm. experience. I I feel b- bad for them, especially. I know, not that one voice matters, but I know I was one. I was one screaming at the at the characters and the actors because I hated the project. So I I gave it a chance. I tr- mm-hmm. I watched one movie. I just it just feels anti-feminist to me, and I took that out on the actors just like everybody else uh, did. Well, back then, I'm sorry, I, I have to say that I didn't. I don't think that either one of them were particularly good actors in those days. They I weren't. think they have definitely improved. Yeah, I mean, you you look at her in Snow White. Blech. I mean, yeah, she was. Like, I was gonna say, yeah. I, I actually, yeah. I actually like <laughs> that movie, but she's the worst thing about it. Yes, um, that was. And, Robert Pattinson back then, like he did blow me away. Like he he was fine, and I thought he was fine in Harry Potter. Like I I did. Yeah. Like there was nothing wrong but with him in that movie. He was such a small but... role. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, anybody could I mean, have played that. You know, yeah. sure. Just yeah, you're right. Just any any just handsome you know exactly. teenage looking kid yep. could have played. Yeah, exactly. just yeah. No, they you're just, right. They just um, needed Tom Welling to come in and be the handsome blink of cardboard that he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, C- Cedric, yeah, Cedric is not an, an interesting character. Yeah. yeah. I do yeah. think Robert Pattinson is now actually a really good actor. And like, I mean, I, I didn't even like the movie, but he was he was really good in the White House. Again, mm-hmm. I didn't even like the movie and I thought he was good. I didn't like it. that movie either. Yeah. I wanted uh, to like it. Yeah. 
Me too. I tried. I really tried. I just... Uh. They've approached the actors about doing a new Twilight, and he didn't say yeah. no way in hell he wouldn't go back, but um, he said that he wouldn't do it for less than $50 million a movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, yes. I mean, exactly, <laughs> he pretty much exactly. said, No way in hell am I going back. <laughs> Un- unless yes, I yes, can drive exactly. off set in a car made of money. <laughs> yes. I, think that, I think that was such a tactical <laughs> way of handling that. There's no way I'm going back to that motherfucker. <laughs> All right, uh, a couple other things that came out from the uh, DC weekend. Superman's motto got changed. He used to be truth, justice in the American way. Now he's truth, justice, and a better tomorrow. I like this change. Mm-hmm. I think Superman is a hero for the planet Earth, not just for the U.S. I know that he is American, mm-hmm. like he grew up in Kansas and all that, but I personally like this change. I know some people are bitching. He's but, the man you know. of tomorrow. Besides, the old Fleischer shorts would... You know, all honestly alternate between a lot of different mottos. You'd have truth, justice in the American way. You'd also have a never-ending battle for truth and justice. You know, whatever. The motto can change up, and this one is perfectly in line with Superman, so it works. Yeah, it's just unfortunate that it's um, that it's coming at this time where there's knee-jerk reactions to any of those kinds of changes. Mm. Oh, it's all political. It's all, you know... And it may be. I don't know. Well, it's not I, political. I, DC could, hates America. Exactly. You take a dump, you take exactly. a dump in the woods and someone is going to make a political so statement about it. But I'm just saying that, that that I think that's probably where people who are butthurt about it are coming mm-hmm. from. You know? Yeah. So I think it's fine. I think I, I'm it's with good. you. It's, it's like characters are changing. Mottos change. Outfits change. It's like, yeah, just roll with the punches, man. I don't like DC Captain America, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> um, I don't. I actually don't like Superman either. I do like Captain America, but I actually don't like Superman. Well, I do like Superman. I, yeah, both of them. They're too. He's fine. <laughs> when Iron Man said, "There's nobody that good." Uh, he, he spoke the words that I've felt since I was a child. I don't like Superman and I don't like Captain America because there is no one that good. You set those bars so high, you become rigid and then eventually you have to become the villain. I would be interested in seeing a new motto for Superman. I think that this is more inclusive. Mm -hmm. I think that this is better than what it was. Mm -hmm. I'd be down to see something new come out with Superman Mm -hmm. from this. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. More than just the motto. Yeah. Or his Mm. costume. Yes. I hope that Superman is an inclusive and accepting person because his son also just came out as bi. Uh, What do (laughs) we think about Superboy? (laughs) Or or one of the, I guess there's two Superboys. Zach, I'll let you take this. I have a hot take on this. I do not like this, but not for the reason you think. The reason I don't like it is that this is like the third major life event that this Superboy took from the other Superboy, who I prefer. Here's, here's the thing. So there's there's a couple Superboys. The one from the 90s was called Connell, Connor Kent. He eventually turned out to be like a mixed, not a clone exactly, a chimera of Superman, obviously, and Lex Luthor, which of course gave him a lot of issues. As you said, nobody's that perfect, and that's the reason I liked that version of Superboy, is he was very far from perfect. He was impulsive, a little bit stupid, But he had a good heart. And the thing with him is that DC keeps forgetting about that version every so often. As in very frequently. 
And he's also been, like, implied to be bi for years, but it was the 90s and they were weird about doing that with any major character, especially one tied to Superman. He's also was at some point supposed to inherit the Superman title, that never panned out. So come along to about 2015, they come out with a new character, John Kent, who is Superman and Lois's son. And I have no problems with John Kent in theory, except that... For some reason, because they're impatient and comics hates, like, normal time progression, they aged him up, so now he's like a teenager. And now this version, John Kent, is coming out as bi. He is actually currently Superman in the comics. He is Superman. And Connor is... Connell, the one from the 90s, there but kind of forgotten. He doesn't get any development. He doesn't get anything, so it's just... It's frustrating as a fan of this one character to have another one come in and steal all of their limelight, every single part of that. And the worst part is that it's not addressed at any point. No one comments or has any reflection on how either of them feel about this or have any sort of way about it. That's the reason I don't like it. Now, in general, yeah, no, I have no problem with John Kent with Superman being bi. That's very cool. Good for representation. But as a fan... It pains me. Yeah, so I, I'm not familiar with the with the mythology of it. You know, I don't read the comic books, but um, I did watch the first season mm. of Titans on mm. HBO Max, and Connor is in mm. that, and so I had no idea who he was in the in the mythology. So if you've not seen that, you might want to watch it. Oh yeah, he's also a very prominent character on the show Young Justice. Mm-hmm. So that is that is definitely also worth a watch. As that show is excellent. Mm-hmm. According to statistics, most of the world is bisexual anyway. So, and and that's just looking at the numbers. Uh, instead of being completely hetero or completely gay, most of the world, like seventy percent of the world, are bi. And that doesn't mean that they are extremely bi. It means that they are at one point or another attracted to someone of the same sex, and they are attracted to someone of the opposite sex, but they do have a preference. So, good for him. It may be late in his mm-hmm. teenage life. They've been making Superboy mm-hmm. comic books for, what, 158 years now? So, late in his teenage <laughs> years, he figures out that he's bi. Good for him. <laughs> I mean... Better late than never. Yeah, we, <laughs> we need that representation. And even though it may seem like something small, it's not. Uh, one of the colorists quit because of it. Go the fuck on. Who cares? People need representation. I can fuck right yeah, off. good riddance. Yeah. yeah. If you have a problem with that. Yeah. Yeah. There are gay characters. There are bi characters. There are trans characters. <laughs> we're, we're becoming a more awoken world. We are more awake. I'm not saying we're all woke because I still make mistakes and I still say some things that are stupid. I say things that are stupid all the damn time, and I'm not ashamed of it, because I'll do my best until I know better, and then I'll do better. And I'm glad that this comic book is is doing better. So, so good for them. The thing about this that I find interesting, especially about that colorist leaving, is that his big argument, and the argument a lot of idiots make, is like, oh, well, you can't change or corrupt these classic characters to your agenda. Make new ones. And that's the thing about this new Superman who came out as bi. He is a new one. He's like five years old. That's exactly what people did. They made a new character and 
at a pretty logical point in the lifetime of this character, he comes out as bi. Yeah. And yet they hate that too. So it's like, all right, so clearly your issue is that you are just a bigot and you don't want exactly. anyone to be bi. Exactly. So up yours. I got one thing to say to those people. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Dean Kane is making a big deal about it. you know. And he, Dean Kane's an idiot. I know. He played I'm Superman sorry. in, um, what was it? Lois and Clark. Lois and yeah. Clark, that was it. Yeah. Who cares? Like, go I'm away. sorry. I, I hate to be mean, but. That was also the peak of his career, and he hasn't yeah. done shit since that show. Yeah. Yeah. is a horrible <laughs> asshole to work with. So, you know, he can he can mm-hmm. disappear too. Are <laughs> <Call me> shocked? <laughs> the only other thing I'm going to touch on before we get into the main topic is that the TV show Why the Last Man was very unceremoniously canceled before they even finished uh airing the first oh, season. Shit. I think they are going to finish airing the rest of the episodes that they've they've filmed. They filmed 10 episodes for season 1, but before the season was even over, FX slashed it. The producers are trying to revive it. They've been shopping it to mm-hmm. other networks particularly hbo who's the parent company of uh well it's owned by warner brothers who's the parent company of vertigo comics which is you know the the publisher of, of why the last man you know is the adult imprint of dc so in some ways it would make more sense with hbo anyway i think that it would actually probably find more of an audience with hbo mm-hmm. i do I think that in my opinion i don't think that a network should cancel a show before the first season is even done airing because mm-hmm. like a lot of people wait to even start a show until the whole season's out anyway it's hard to really get get an actual good gauge on how popular yeah. it is and when, when you're not even get i feel like the mm-hmm. network didn't even give it a chance yeah. is my personal take yeah like that's that's also unfair to audiences like that's it that's is. kind of a, like a self-fulfilling thing. It's like, well, it's not going to be popular, so we're going to cut it. It's like, well, it's not going to be popular now because people think there was something horrendously wrong with it, that they had to cut it. Exactly. And from what I've heard, there's not anything wrong with it. Everyone who's watched it has said it's the, good. The pacing, the pacing was a little slow. I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it, but I don't think so. I mean, I, I was enjoying it, you know. Yeah, that'd be a really weird reason to cancel a show. I know. I'm grasping at straws. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out what they were thinking. No, I think like, and this has always been kind of a troubled production where, and I, I've said this before on this podcast that there have been multiple recastings of like the major characters in it. Mm-hmm. The original showrunner left and got replaced and stuff like that. Maybe they just felt like, okay, we got to finish out this season as like an obligation to the work we've already done. But maybe they just thought that the show was just too much trouble than it was worth. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of my theory. But I also, I, I've only seen the first episode of why i i probably will go ahead and finish out the season if nothing else to like support the show because i did really like the first episode and i think that this show deserves i i think why the last man is such a good comic book series that i think it deserves the story deserves to be told in a tv format i want Mm -hmm. to see it told in a tv format and i want to see it completed i know that the showrunner said that she wanted to uh have five seasons 10 episodes each so so a total of 50 episodes is what the plan was and i hope that they managed to save it i hope maybe hbo or somebody else because i know this also happened with the expanse the expanse was canceled by Mm -hmm. sci-fi but then amazon swooped in and rescued it and actually Mm -hmm. continued it so i'm hoping that this ends up being a situation like that that maybe Mm -hmm. fx was just a a bad fit for it and maybe hbo can come in you know air air this season that already came out and then continue and finish the show maybe on that network because i also think that it just feels 
like a show that could potentially get more of an audience with HBO. I feel. I like. agree. <laughs> I agree. Especially if people start talking about it, you gotta, you gotta, for sure. Let it go to streaming. Yeah. Let people, the people who can only see it on streaming, watch it, and then you know, and the people who are waiting for it to be the whole season to be there, so they can just go ahead and binge it. Let them see mm-hmm. it and talk about it. Sometimes we're not ready for a show. Um, it's like in 2012, the 1313 Mockingbird Lane, everybody hated on it, but you go back and watch it now and it was pretty fucking genius, but people weren't ready for a new Munsters. And now Rob Zombie is doing the Munsters and, um, people are loving it. So maybe in 20 years, if it doesn't get any traction, Sam Wilson can produce it. God damn it. I want it before 20 years. I'm going to be fucking <laughs> dead in 20 years. <laughs> yes, because you're so old now. You're going to be dead in 20 years. What? I got plans, son. I got plans. <laughs> your, your plans to self-destructive plans to just go on a blaze of glory in five years what (laughs) leave a pretty corpse (laughs) sure well let's go ahead and get into our main topic ghostbusters 1984 spoilers start here for ghostbusters i want to start talking about these characters including the four ghostbusters themselves we'll start with peter venkman played by bill murray kind of the uh it's an ensemble movie for sure but I kind of view Venkman as being the closest thing to a main, like, star character that the movie has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the, I think a lot of that is just the star power and the audience likability of Bill Murray as an actor. But what do we think of uh, Venkman as a character? Oh, Venkman. How I love Venkman. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's, he's, he's funny because he's, he's of course, a, a big man-child. You know, they, they talk a lot about how, in the beginning, how he's never been out of school. And that may seem weird, but I actually know people like this. People who have literally gone to college, you know, got their bachelor's, got their master's, got their uh, doctorates, and then went into the academic field and stayed in college until their 30s, like Venkman. Mm -hmm. And I think this is part of his um, dysfunction is he's just like, he's never had to do anything for anything he can, mm-hmm. He's just been skating by. Can you imagine what his classes were like? You know, because you know he had to teach. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, what what a teacher! He probably just was like, okay, guys, we're gonna do something today. I don't know what. You know, <laughs> gonna talk a little bit about psychology. Yeah. So, uh, so the science of thinking about stuff. Exactly. So, yeah, tell me, tell me what you're thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but I love Vinkman. He's so and Bill Murray. Oh my gosh, he mm-hmm. plays it with such perfection. He takes that writing. I have the script somewhere and I meant to read it before the show, but um, I wanted to see how much of it was improvised and how much of it was actually in the script. Oh, it's so, if you read the script, it's so different. Like, the scenes all happen in the right order, but the dialogue is so different, which tells you how much they improved. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. That's because he is like this when it comes to improv. I mean, he is... He's a master. All of them are improv oh, artists. Yes, yeah, you get those three so together. Good. Any any scene where you get those three together yeah. of Murray, Aykroyd, and Ramis, and they mm-hmm. and they just bounce off of each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just Love the whole it. thing about the sponge, the sponges migrating a foot and a half. <laughs> yeah. That's not the script. <laughs> like stuff like that is so perfect. I love that the so great much. Sponge <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. With Venkman. I feel like I'd hate this character if he wasn't played by Bill Murray. He rides the line of being an unlikable little creep, except he's played by Bill Murray. 
So yeah, there's an earnestness to him. They're like between beneath all that, there is an earnestness. Yeah, there's just that little yeah, that little spark of charisma that he has pretty much at all times. I also love how like disaffected he is by the entirety of the ghostbusting business, except for the business side of it. Like he loves talking about franchising and advertising and playing up the crowds, but if there's a ghost, he's like yeah, I don't know what this device does. I don't, I don't really care. I'm not taking this seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, and again, it is it is that like quick-witted improv between yeah, between Bill Murray and the rest of the main cast that just uh, makes makes so much of this movie just amazing. <laughs> he's a hoe, first and foremost. He's a big, big hoe. Yeah, oh yeah, he's very much a hoe. Yeah. So, <laughs> huge hoe. I fucking love how whenever Dana is in the room, he just turns into this little horn dog. It's one of my yes. favorite <laughs> favorite moments. He'll say anything. That would be really, really creepy if he wasn't so charming. Yes. You know, yes. it's like exactly. he, he, yeah. sit, he it keeps would, it from, That's exactly my thing. It's like if it wasn't Bill Murray, it would be yeah. creepy as shit. It would be creepy. Yes. Yeah, if it wasn't Bill Murray, it would be so <laughs> fucking creepy. I would be like, well, first of all, this is a feminist problem of mine. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. It's Bill Murray, and it's cute. It's not. It's not like he's right there over her shoulder going. (laughs) It's like he's keeping his distance, and he's like a puppy dog going. (laughs) Exactly. So it's it's hilarious, and then you find out that he just says whatever in the fuck comes up. With each character, he says some of the dumbest things with the pecker guy. He he, he really messes him up. I, I think that Venkman is the culmination of Bill Murray's career. And I'm not saying that it was over this long ago. I'm saying that this character, I can see why this catapulted him into the stardom where he became a little bit of a diva. Because... The character is just gold. He went with his heart, and he played the hell out of this character. He has no filter. No, he just says exactly. whatever's oh, no, in his head not. at any point. I think <laughs> that that's what, what also works about him. And the reason he's not creepy is because of that charmingness. But you also realize, like, there's never any real ill intent to it. It's just, no. again, he just is saying whatever he's thinking at any point. And when when it counts, he actually does, yeah. he actually does have, you know, respect mm-hmm. for boundaries. And even the fact it's mm-hmm. like, you know, when, when, he, when he comes upon the possessed uh, Dana, yes. he does it. He's not like, oh, well, you want to have sex with me? Great. He's yeah. like, uh, no, can I talk to Dana, please? Yeah. Can I talk <laughs> yes. to Dana? There's clearly Which something think, wrong going on. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah, he says, I make it a point never to, you know, get involved, have sex with uh, possessed people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, one <laughs> like, well, of my favorite lines in that scene is when, when she's like, oh, I want you inside of me. He's like, well, it sounds like you've got at least two people in there already. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so good. I don't know how she got through that scene with the straight face. I mean, I would have been laughing my ass off. We don't know how many takes that took. Exactly. We don't. You're right. We'll get get the Sigourney Weaver, who I also think is great in this movie. But yeah, Mm -hmm. no, I mean, just Fangman, I I just love how he always just has this look on his face as stuff is happening, where it's, it's always just like, 
well, I guess this is happening now. Yeah. It's like he's so he's so weirdly deadpan yes. in his acceptance of just all the bizarre things that are going on. You know, which I think is just again coming it's, across the possessed data. Yeah. He's swiped. He's always just like, all right. Well, I guess I guess this is just gonna happen. This, yeah. All right. You know. How do we get through this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, just it, just mm. the, his his improv ability, his ability to improv is like that that scene where he's collecting the mucus you know for for uh yeah. for Spangler and he's like he's like doing this thing and he starts going like this and it flips back and hits him in the eye and he's just like oh and he's like, and he's like wiping it on shit and it gets on his shoe and he's like oh I just that whole scene just I mean I just sat there and laughed at I watched it today. I just sat there. And I was just laughing my ass off. It had been so long since I'd seen it. And boy, it felt great to laugh like that again. Yes. <laughs> I, I always get surprised because I really have seen this movie so many times. I quote it all the time. Like I get surprised at how much I continue to laugh every time I watch the yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so many of them, so many of them are those Venkman lines, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, when they're fighting the shape of Marshmallow Man, it's like, <laughs> we're going at this all wrong. This guy's a sailor. He's in New York. We get this guy laid. We got no problem. <laughs> I love that nobody think anything. Nobody think anything. You have chosen. Yes. What? Nobody chose. Yes. Nobody chose. Nobody I chose. chose. I didn't chose nothing. Ray. Yeah. Well, as a good transition into Ray, let's talk about Ray played oh, by Ray. Ray, Ray Stans played uh, by Dan Aykroyd. He's like, I mean, he 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 has such a childlike yes. quality to him Ray Ray does he's like I Charlie think. Brown he's yeah. just yeah. like I mean he is just he's so hopeless I mean he he clear, he's he's another man child he he brags about oh I've worked in the private sector but clearly not very much because yeah. you know he's like he pays $4,800 for that piece of shit Ecto-1, you know, <laughs> all the, the problems with it. He lets, breaks, Venkman breaks talk in, he lets Venkman talk him into a third mortgage at yes. 19% interest, you know. I mean, and he's like, I mean, he clearly has no idea how to be an adult. Well, none of them do. No. None of them mm. know how to be an adult how to be adults you know no. so but, yes. but ray is just he's the the sweet one he's the one mm-hmm. he's like the heart of the group yeah. i think you know yeah. i agree yes a, he's, he is he's like he's dumb and sweet yes <laughs> he's genuine and and that's what i love about the character yeah. is everything he says it's just like with vankman everything ray says is what he thinks i just absolutely mm-hmm. love that about him i love that he's like Oh, this is happening. Oh, this is happening. This is bad, but this is pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, he's so excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, I love, like, right after Venkman gets slimed for the first time, he rushes over and instead of being like, oh, are you okay? It's like, oh, my God, it's amazing. You actually yes. touched a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, touched the ethereal some. plane. <laughs> exactly. It's but so his real. absolute best line, Ray's best line is, listen, do you smell something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. That line cracks me up so much. Dan Aykroyd is a master. Uh, he has played everything. Uh, we all love his blues. If you don't love his br- blues, please don't say anything. You'll break my heart. Um, <laughs> but he can do anything and everything. And what he brings to Ray, he is like a ray of sunshine throughout the whole movie. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's... 
he is his name. He shows us that. He's so innocent. He's, he's probably the one that saved everybody's lives by thinking up the Stay Puft Marshmallow mm. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was an yes. instant thing. I, 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 I automatically thought of it. It, it. it just came to me. It just came to me, you know? And he's he's so upset uh-huh. that it... You saw one thing that could never yeah, hurt me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I just love his demeanor. I love how genuine he is. You don't have to wonder what he's thinking because he's saying what he's thinking. And he's optimistic. Mm-hmm. He believes that there's a silver lining to everything. And his optimism is just beautiful. Yes, he's a great foil for Venkman. Yes. Who's always very cynical and very... Jaded. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he's like kind of the yeah, opposite. Yeah, no, it's interesting that they, they kind of are two sides of the same coin, that they're both these these man-children, as uh-huh. you kind of said, but it, mm-hmm. it's like, but Ray, Ray has the, that innocent quality, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, Ven- Venkman almost comes across as more like this kind of dumb adolescent, like Ray is more, <laughs> like, he's yeah, he's this innocent big kid, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I love Ray. I think he's a really endearing character. And then, of course, you have kind of the brains of the operation, which is uh, Egon, played by the late, great Harold Ramis. Uh, again, I, I just, the, these the way these three play off of each other is just brilliant. And I, 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 I love, I love Egon so much. He's such a great character to me. I looked in the trap, Ray. <laughs> yeah, I love that line too. I looked in the trap, Ray. Ray, I looked I at it. This genuine oh thing of am, am I going to go blind? You exactly. know? And he's just staring at it like I looked in the trap, Ray. Well, it's like you can't tell somebody to not look directly at something because then what are they going to do? They're going to look directly at it. Oh, God. I well, love it was Egon. the same problem as telling them not to think about anything. It's like, oh, exactly. you tell me not to think about something. I'm going to think about something. Exactly. <laughs> but, um,. Uh, yeah, I love how he's almost seems like he's the most rational person there, but then will occasionally like go off and tell yes. like, well, yeah, you almost drilled a hole in your head. Would have worked too if you hadn't stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Would have worked too if you hadn't stopped me. <laughs> I can't talk about Egon without talking about Harold Ramis because he made mm-hmm. some of the greatest some of the greatest movies he directed some of them he wrote some of the greatest things we've ever seen okay as a kid Mm -hmm. there was rover dangerfield where he got rodney dangerfield to play a a a stupid dog how can you not love that there was year one (laughs) i don't care who you are year one is fucking genius there was bedazzled bedazzled was such an amazing movie multiplicity and i'm gonna tell you right now multiplicity is one of my favorite movies i have ever seen in my life michael keaton as all of those clones is just genius the head of harold ramus must have been vast not only did he bring us these classics caddyshack all of those he brought us and created ghostbusters with dan Aykroyd. i mean It's pure genius. Who would have thought of the project of Ghostbusters other than Harold Ramis? It was funny. It was a parody of sci-fi movies and of horror, but it stood on its own and it created a franchise that rivals most other A-list franchises. Harold Ramis was a genius and he was gone way too soon. Mm -hmm. But him as Egon, he came at it just like the other two. And whatever was in Egon's mind stayed in Egon's mind. 
That's the difference. You could see those wheels turning just by looking at him when he was looking at the screen. You could see his, he didn't have to say anything and you knew what he was thinking. And then of course he would, he would come out and, and let them know what to do, what not to do, how to stay safe. Not only was the character of Egon completely genius, but the idea of how everything came together, coming through this man, coming through Spangler, it's just so fascinating. He played a steampunk character without looking steampunk. And that's really what it comes down to. Egon Spangler was a wizard. He rivaled that of Dumbledore or Gandalf or any of those wizards. He was that archetype. He played a steampunk wizard. A wizard who collects molds, spores, and fungus. Yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> His awkwardness is just gold. Just great, great, great deadpan line delivery of all of all those oh lines too. You know, just <laughs> he's he just he's just so good. Like even even just like this, this is this is one of the smaller lines, but like I just love uh, when they're taking in uh, Lewis Tully and Janine is like, oh, you're such a humanitarian. He says, I don't think he's human. <laughs> you know, yes. just the way he says that. It's like <laughs> I think my favorite part of that sequence is just kind of like his reaction when uh, Vince Clortho just like starts handing. Him random yes! shit out of the place. Yes! He's just like, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> he's like, oh the lamp, and he's like, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I love that scene. <laughs> so, one interesting uh, kind of behind the scenes production thing about this movie. So, this basically, like, the idea was that they were going to get these four, like, SNL comedians in a movie together who are all going to bounce off of each other comedically and have all these improv moments. And it was going to be, of course, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis. And Eddie Murphy originally was who was supposed to play Zedimore. As it turns out, uh, Eddie Murphy, for whatever reason, couldn't be in the movie. So they end up casting Ernie Hudson, who I love Ernie Hudson. But there is this case of I, I almost feel like it would have been a very different movie had Eddie Murphy played because like I think mm-hmm. it would have again been the four comedians just playing off of each other and doing all those improvs and I think that the the way we got it uh, Zedimore ended up actually kind of being the straight man of the group in a lot of mm-hmm. ways agreed and I really like Zedimore I think Zedimore's got mm-hmm. some good lines and some good moments but he he is he comes into the movie much later he it sometimes feels like an afterthought to me but I still really enjoy mm-hmm. the character. So. But he has one of the most classic, one of the most memorable lines of the entire movie, which yes. is, if someone asks you if you're a god, you, you say, say yes! Yes. <laughs> yes, that is one, absolutely one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. It's so good. It's so perfectly delivered. Yes. <laughs> Poor Ray just couldn't lie to save his life. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think Ernie Hudson did a great job. If I were Ernie Hudson and I was cast mm-hmm. in that... I would be shitting my pants because to go up with those three. So I think he did a good job holding his own. And I think that I was Mm -hmm. really glad that he didn't try to do an Eddie Murphy kind of thing. You know, I'm glad he didn't like, you know, try and go zany. And he he just, he, he just played the character. He, he figured out who the character was. Yeah. And he played it. And I think he did mm-hmm. a great job. And that's all we needed. Yeah, the normal person did connect with him in that way of uh, that line. My favorite line of Winston's is, listen, I will believe anything you want me to believe as long as there's a regular check involved. Paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that that is one of the greatest line. lines ever because we can all relate to that. We've all had those jobs that we exactly. weren't sure about. <laughs> 
but we did it because we <laughs> need right. that check. <laughs> That's right. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to worry too much about any of the implications of all of this. That's like, right. Oh, I'll do the job. Uh, yeah, I'll yeah, I'll just go home with that. <laughs> well, I, I like the fact that at the beginning he is the skeptic. He's yeah. the guy that doesn't necessarily believe in this stuff, and then he you know he has that line later. I since I have I have seen shit that'll turn you white. Yes. So it's it's, it's that whole thing of <laughs> which he uh, says, you know, which he delivers to the whitest guy in the room. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked to have maybe seen that explored a little more of his his kind of arc of, like, the skeptic who, you know, can't really deny what's going on. But at the same time, there's so many characters that, like, I think Zedimore, you know, fulfilled the role that he needed to fulfill, which is kind Mm -hmm. of being the straight man to these other three comedic characters kind of bouncing off of each other. And Ernie, yeah, Ernie Hudson's a great actor. I think he did a really good job. So apparently in an article, Eddie Murphy said that he turned it down because he didn't think that it would fit into his brand. He didn't think that the fit was right for him. Mm. On another note, I didn't know this. Interesting. But John Belushi was supposed to play Peter Vankman. Oh, I had no that's idea about that. That would have been interesting. That would have been different. Very yeah. different. Mm. I had no idea about that. Yeah. So those two, those two would have changed the movie drastically. But I think that the people oh, that yeah. w- that they went with, I think that the cast they went with made it what it is today. No doubt. Well, and I, I just can't help but think that if it had been Eddie Murphy, maybe it would have been too much of, like, these four comedians trying to, like, one-up yep. each other. Like, I kind of think you need that more, the, the, the normal yep. guy in, in there. Mm-hmm. I think I think it actually kind of helps. I agree. I agree. The dynamic and the chemistry between them. That in a lot of ways, once once Zedimore is introduced, he almost becomes the the audience perspective yes. in some ways. Absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. That's a good good point. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about Sigourney Weaver. Let's talk about Dana. <laughs> In, in this movie uh is it another character who i think is a lot more interesting because she's played by sigourney weaver i'm, I'm gonna be mm-hmm. honest i think i think that she elevates the character beyond what what would have been there w- without mm-hmm. her she brings such a uh, such a class i mean she really does mm-hmm. it's like it's like i haven't seen the movie in a few years and first of all I forgot how young she was. I was like, whoa, mm. she's so young. It's, it's only a few years after Alien. I yeah. know. Yeah. I know. She knew that character. She She's like, mm-hmm. this character is classy and, mm-hmm. you know, serious. She just, she played it perfectly. She played it beautifully. And I, but I love that even she, Ice Queen, is not mm. immune to Venkman's charms because she does agree to go on a date with him. <laughs> and and I bought it. I was like, mm-hmm. I totally see it. I, I understand, yep. you know. It's like he's kind of a funny looking guy. You know he's kind mm-hmm. of a funny looking guy. Oh, he's kind of a funny looking <laughs> he's guy. Funny looking, but I can see I can see where he would uh you know kind of worm his way into your heart. And I think she she played that really well. Yes, he is he is a heartworm. Yes, Sigourney Weaver yeah. will always be a spirit animal to me. It is my dream to be in a movie. I don't care if I'm an extra. I don't care if I have a bit part. It has always been my dream to be in a movie where Sigourney Weaver knocks me the fuck out. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. I want to be saying something stupid, and she just pow, and I'm out. 
I can be out for the rest of the movie. I don't care. I just want Sigourney Weaver to knock me out on screen. I'm, I'm not even lying. I have always loved her since the days of Alien. I, I wasn't alive when Alien first came out, but whenever it came out on VHS, I know I'm telling my age. Shit, I was alive. I saw it. <laughs> my mom didn't censor me for movies. So I was about four or five when I first saw Aliens or Alien. And I preferred Aliens. But when I saw Alien and I fell in love with Sigourney Weaver, I just, every time I saw her on the screen, I stopped. It didn't matter how old I was. It didn't matter what movie it was. When I saw her on the screen, I stopped and I would watch. And so her in this movie, Mm -hmm. I knew her from Alien before I knew her from Ghostbusters like most people did. um, Because Ghostbusters came out when I was one and a half years old. So there's that. But Ghostbusters is just one of those ones that stick with me. And Dana... I love Dana, and I'm going to completely agree with you, Sam. If someone else had played her, I don't think that the character would have been as good as as it was with her. She was Mm -mm. charming. She was open. She was the girl next door, but she was also, when she was possessed, she was hot. Even as a kid, I could see that. And, (laughs) And she was just, she had this air about her. Amazing. Amazing. It's... It's another one of those performances that was career-defining for her, and it made her more, even Mm -hmm. though she was the damsel in distress, she wasn't the damsel in Mm -hmm. distress, because she wasn't like Uh, these other characters. Yes, exactly. She wasn't Mm -hmm. like these characters that Mm -hmm. just, oh, woe is me. She was like, okay, Mm -hmm. fuck this. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Even when the hands of Zul or or whichever one was grabbing her out of that chair, she was fighting. You know, she was biting and moving and fighting and, and screaming. She was trying her best. She she really bought, brought a lot to this character. And I think that has to do with her action films that she's done. She just plays a kick-ass character. Yeah, she couldn't go from, she couldn't go from Ripley to, to no. you know, Dana and been any less of a badass because yeah. she was still like mm. you said even though she was like in distress she was never like ah yeah ah, no help me help oh, me, me help me exactly <laughs> the attitude she approached asking for help is kind of like the thing i find brilliant about the movie after all it's like all right, so you just had a horrific vision that appeared in your fridge, and so you're going to call an exterminator service, which is like, that's the thing I love about the movie, is like the core concept is like, oh yes, the spirits of the damned, and here are the guys who just like come by and they scoop it up and they take it out, because no one wants that living in their shit. And that's that's kind of the attitude she approaches it. It's like, god damn, this is like a monster dog living in my fridge. Fuck that, I'm going to hire an expert and they're going to get rid of that shit. <laughs> She doesn't scream and run out of the room. She doesn't. She she's looking at it. And she's like, "Well, that shit ain't right." And then she goes and pops out. I love how no nonsense she yes. is the whole time. It's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have time for any of your shit. She's amazing, and like Sigourney Weaver is an absolute badass, as as you guys said. Mm-hmm. What about her? Uh, her across the hall neighbor okay this this is like a weirdly stacked cast you know like when yeah. i think about it it's like because we also have rick moranis yes. in this movie as, as lewis sully oh who i also him. think i also think this is a character who wouldn't be as notable <laughs> as he is if it weren't no. for rick moranis yeah. like rick no. moranis is just so good in this else. role imagine like, anybody else in no. that role and it no Again, yes. the, I think everybody in this fucking movie 
like knew their characters. Yes. Rick yes. Moranis had not just knew his character. I mean, he had the walk down. <laughs> I mean, yes. the way he the way he does that that kind yeah, of that shuffle, you know, that, that kind shuffle. of strut, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does that shuffle, you know. I mean, he he has the 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 physicality down. He knew that character and oh my god, that character makes me laugh so hard. That, that entire <laughs> scene of him trying to schmooze at the party just <laughs> I, I love him. I love him uh, with with the one the one girl who's at the party is like who's about to leave. He's like, oh come on, maybe if we start dancing, everyone else will join in. And for some reason, she's just like, oh okay. okay. You know, like, what? How, how did that work? What? <laughs> it's so good. He's yes. so funny. Like I love the fact that he's constantly locking himself out of his apartment. Yes. Like I love that yes. stick. You know, yes. like I always wonder if that's something right. that that he that. Rick Moranis came up with, you know, on, on the day because, like, it's it just it's just so funny that yeah, maybe you know, he accidentally did it, uh, you know, yeah, like a take, it and it was yeah. like they thought yeah. that was funny yeah. and just kept it. You it, know? it. It feels like something they could have found in the moment. They're like, oh, we, we got to keep this as a recurring gag, like exactly. every single time, you know. <laughs> it's like I love how she can be fucking walking, tiptoeing down the far side of the hallway. <laughs> in the middle of a party and he like <laughs> pops out of the, the his door oh hey yeah. and she's like <laughs> I mean, my God, you just, you get this feeling that he like sits there next to the door with his yeah. the door just waiting for her to come out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They tried to recreate oh, his God. character in the second one. They tried to recreate his character with, uh, what's his name? Amazing, amazing actor. I can't remember his name. He's from Alec McBeal and a couple other things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The why am I covered in goo? Yes, yes. That guy. He, yes, why am I covered in goo? Phenomenal actor, but... <laughs> There's just something about Rick Moranis that will always live with me. That his little cow lick and him straightening out his glasses. Mm-hmm. He's just the beautiful fool. That weird thing he does with his mouth. Oh yeah. He's like, he kind of talks like Yeah. <laughs> you know? Kind of talks like that, a, you know. Rick Moranis will always be a piece of my childhood that I will hold near and dear to my heart. This whole movie is I watched this movie probably. Mm-hmm. 50 million times at least and Rick Moranis not as many times as me (laughs) Rick Moranis in it he's just so funny and amazing and he is the ultimate fool he's oh my god it's the way he just lives in those shoes Mm -hmm. it's it's pathetic and, and naive and but at the same time it's lovable there's something lovable about him, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's that annoying mm-hmm. person in your life that you, you wish you could <laughs> throttle them. But if you throttled them, they wouldn't be there anymore and you would be sad. <laughs> That's why Dana's always like telling him, well, maybe I'll come yeah. by instead of just shutting him down and saying, yeah. fuck yeah. off, Lewis, you're yeah. bugging me. <laughs> that first scene where he comes up to her, there's, there's this great expression that she goes through where as soon as he comes up, she goes through like a half smile, half yeah. exasperated sigh. It's like, yeah. I th- yeah, it's kind of comforting to have a neighbor, but God, why is it this neighbor? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you're just so cute and I don't want to shut you down completely. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of yeah. nice and- I feel yeah. bad, but I, it's yeah. like I don't really want to go on a date with you. But I don't. I feel bad about turning it down. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 
that's pretty much it i love him so much as vince cortho too it's oh like I, I love the fact that apparently and i i always wonder if the uh if the the hell dogs or whatever if if they if when they possess somebody they somewhat get some of the traits of the person they're possessing or if vince cortho is actually just as much of a you know derp as as, as lewis totally <laughs> that's, I always that's why you that, picked but... lewis it's, it's a kindred spirit it's... Well, i got the feeling that the hell dogs are kind of derpy to begin yes. with because yeah. I mean, look at look yeah. at Zool. She opens the door yeah. and she says, Are you the key master? And he says no, and she shuts the door, and all he has to do is knock again, and she goes, "Are you the key master?" Yes! Like, do yes! just like, Look, they're, they're hell dogs. Every like, human kind of looks the same. Yeah, the hell hell yes, exactly. <laughs> the hell hounds have to take over the body, so that how, how's she supposed to tell that it's the same yeah, guy? Yeah. Well, the, the hell hounds they have to they have to be able to communicate and to think. And another thing is they wouldn't be updated. You know, they would be left in the past, so things would be they would have those blank moments. So I I think that's a really good question sam uh if they do take some of the personality from from their host i like that idea well because like you know because lewis like as vince isn't really that different from lewis no. in some yeah. ways like he's, he, yeah. he, he still feels <laughs> yeah. like this guy and that, that's yeah. that's why i always wondered that but i, I also agree that you know these these dogs the are not the, they're not much. the smartest yeah. dogs to begin with they're not you know? right they're no. too yeah. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Great exactly. Formula. It's like I love Janine uh, offering him coffee. It's like, oh, do you want some coffee? He says, "Do I?" Yes, have some. Yes, have some. <laughs> <laughs> so My good. kids enjoyed that yes. part. Well, speaking of speaking of Janine, what do we think? What do we think of her? You know, Annie Potts, of course, playing this role. Like, I just, I just love how how sassy she is. And, and this yes. movie too. <laughs> Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> that's, that's also a classic line. Yes. Ghostbusters, what do you want? <laughs> I, I like that she cares a lot more than she lets yes. on. She she has this huge disaffected personality. It's like, yeah, this is terrible. I could leave this job at any time. Yeah. She doesn't leave the job. She actually fights pretty hard to prevent the EPA people from coming in. But seemingly off the clock, she's still helping with the whole Vince Clortho yes. situation. It's like, oh, don't go, Egon. So, you could be in danger. I'm very psychic sometimes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> There's definitely some crushing going on between uh, Egon and Janine, which I, I think oh, yes. is also a big part <laughs> of sure. that. But I like the visual of when she's sitting at her desk and then all of a sudden he comes up from underneath her desk. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> and, and you know there's nothing going on there but just that visual yes. of him coming up yeah. from under her desk and she's like I get the feeling you're very handy or you know it's like yeah I'll bet he's handy I gotta say I, <laughs> I gotta say I love the character of, of Janine but Janine would not have been the same if Annie Potts had not played her. Annie Potts is such oh, no. a phenomenal mm, actress. No, no, no. And everything she's ever <laughs> been it's in. It's what we said about literally all the characters. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's that's, that's true, because yeah. they, this is a, a perfect cast. I mean, they, it's a they, that's cast, the drinking game for yeah. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> all right take a take a shot if anyone says well uh, if it was any yep. other person playing this character right. <laughs> exactly but don't do this if you're uh if you're driving while listening to this podcast or exactly at the we or get all this mail about people who <laughs> die from alcohol poisoning listening to this podcast <laughs> yeah. well 
It's good that during Ghostbusters, we have more ghost stories to tell, so. <laughs> That's right. But I, I love Annie Potts. She's amazing. Oh, My heart skipped a beat in the new one whenever I, whenever she shows up in the trailer, and I'm glad that they're bringing her back. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it seems like she and Egon did become a thing, because I think that the, uh, I think the parents of the main, or, or the, like, I think the mom of the main kids is the daughter of Egon and Janine. That's what mm-hmm. I got from the trailer. That's what it seems like. That, yeah, that, she, that she's she's Egon and Janine's yeah. daughter, and then her kids are the new exactly. main characters. So, mm-hmm. And that's what I'm hoping for anyway, but we got so many stereotypical secretaries that aren't too bright about things, but that really care about their job from just this role. Um, there were so many more mm-hmm. <laughs> archetypes created because of this. The last character I want to touch on is uh, one that I, I have a, a story about, which maybe maybe I'll let you tell this one, Mom, but Walter Peck, Pecker, uh, oh, Nicholas. Oh, yes. Walter Peck. Played by William Atherton, who was the, the king of playing these kinds of uh, douchey characters yes. in, the, in the 80s. You know, yes, very he was. Similar he characters. in Die Hard. Die Hard. Uh, in Real Genius. I was going to say Real Genius, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, I mean, those are all about this this time. I used to get confused because, like, I used to misremember and think that he was the principal from Ferris Bueller, and I was like, oh, you know, oh, that was nope. a different guy, but for, nope. for some reason, but it feels like that that's another character that he could have played too, but yeah. Yes. But no, yeah, he have. definitely got kind of type. It's very similar to his character from Die Hard and, and also Real Genius, for sure, but it's yeah. like, he had a niche, and he plays the, these types of characters really well, and I think it's really hilarious that I feel like only in a movie from the 80s are the e- is the EPA the bad guys? The <laughs> yes. Environmental Protection Agency are the bad yes. guys? Like, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, no. indeed. Yeah, so the William Atherton story. So uh, this happened, oh God, Sam must have been about eight, maybe? I was a little older. I think I was something like 11 or 12. Oh, were I you? Think I, was, was I, I think that? I was okay. may, may, maybe 10 or 11. Maybe yeah. 10 or 11. Yeah. So we were at Dragon Con. William Atherton was at Dragon Con and he was in the Walk of Fame, which I like to call the Walk of Shame. And uh, I was taking Sam over there just to kind of looky-loo at um, whatever, what celebrities were there. And I saw William Atherton and I said, oh, Sam, Sam, look, because, you know, he knew him from Ghostbusters and, and Die Hard. I said, look who that is. And Sam said really loud, because, you know, children have no filter and no volume control. Oh, it's the jerk. <laughs> and William Atherton looks up and looks over at him and he goes like this. <laughs> And I was just like, oh my God. I was like, Sam, oh my God. I was so embarrassed. He had a sense sense of humor about it. He did. He knew his archetype. Well, what can you do? He knew his archetype. I love that he just shrugged and was like, eh, you know. I've been called worse. Exactly. Because, you know, he's he's probably like a classic Shakespearean fucking actor or something like that. And I I just, I I always wonder how these people feel, you know, being typecast and and only known for these these certain niche roles, you know? You know how they feel? They feel like their bills have been paid with their craft. (laughs) 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> True that. True that. We, we, that's I'd what like I say. To feel like, that way. I, 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 I feel this way about uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, who's also in this movie as a yes. cop. Yes. Um, but <laughs> when you get typecast, hey, at least you're getting cast. Yeah, you know, exactly. that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's a steady, that's a steady paycheck here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forgot Reginald Vell Johnson was in this. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, it's just a little cameo, but he's yes. but he's so playing. He's, he's always the cop. He's, he's always a cop and everything. Cop. But there's just some great. Uh, there's just some great kind of verbal sparring between Venkman and, and Peck, which is kind of my my favorite thing about these. It's like when you get those two together, you know. Of course, like the the classic line is like, "Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man, <laughs> this has, man no has no penis. <laughs> 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 that's what I heard." You know. <laughs> so that's that's my big thing about Walter Peck. Like, I think it's it's again, it's it, it's it's hilarious to me that the EPA are the bad guys. But it, of course, the idea, I, I think, it's just a, a reason for you know them to have this kind of you know. This this mm-hmm. very corporate bad guy come plot in device. and like j- just shut it down. I I think I mm-hmm. yeah. It's like yeah. yeah, it was just it was a plot yep. device for sure. Yes. You know, it's not I, I I don't think that you know this movie has any kind of like anti environmentalism no. message to no. it. But <laughs> it was a well written plot device because they did the rule of three with him. He came the first time and he was insulted, and he came the second time and he had a huge ego, and then the third time was in the mayor's office when he gets put down because he. Because he was the problem. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a well-written plot device. Listen. If mm-hmm. we're right, you will have saved millions of registered oh, voters. voters. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how, how the, uh, the priest, they cut to the priest who's giving this, like, head nod. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, what, yep. what do you think a bishop knows more than uh, you know politics? <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Like the bishop they play dirty. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, no, like Peck is an absolute. He's he's a, he's a plot device. He's the human uh, antagonist character, and mm-hmm. he he came in and he did his yeah. job. And there's and there's there's some great. He's he's the character who you love to hate. I want to talk about a, a couple of uh, specific sequences. The library sequence, which is kind of the big first big ghost busting. Mm-hmm. Uh, sequence at the beginning of the movie i just love the uh, the librarian ghost and how yo ray is is all like all right guys i've got a plan just follow my lead and his plan is just get her like wait what <laughs> it's like it's great there, there's there's just a lot of you know great lines and this is like are are you currently menstruating right now you know things like there's just these great you know comedic lines my uncle and, thought he was saint jerome <laughs> oh that's a big yes <laughs> i love uh i like fankman's uh reaction to the let's split up mm. oh yes because then we can we can mm. cause more damage later <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I think that's it. That that's from the hotel uh, scene. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, there, there's yes. yeah for sure. I love yeah. how clumsy they were. I know that I'm that I'm one of the one of the minorities in this, but they captured that clumsiness in the 2016 Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. and that's what made me fall in love with that movie. Is that they they paid tribute to each one of the characters and each one of the original actors, and they showed how clumsy they were. They were just guessing their way through. And when you go back and watch this, even I was caught back because like like with Sharon, it's been a while since I watched it, and I watched it today. And 
as I as I was going through it, I was like, I forgot how clumsy they were in the beginning, how they were just guessing. And it shows yeah. that. And it's written like that on purpose because uh, Spangler's like, don't cross the streams. And then later on, he's like, OK, let's cross the streams. That accidental. We got it right. Try anything at yeah. least once. Yeah. Let's do this in a in a in a mm-hmm. in a guess. But let's think about it and let's try to make it the right guess. And then they're basically oh, yeah. holding nuclear phasers that they're shooting. Mm-hmm. So all of the destruction that they're causing. And they can't yeah, aim for shit. Yeah, they can't <laughs> First, they got to get re- used to the jolt, which they do in the 2016. And it's just a part that you don't really think about. It's, it's visual effects. And really, the only visual effects that doesn't work in this movie is the dogs. The hellhounds. I agree. I, I had that same thought. The only VFX that really show their age is whenever they show the dogs and it's it's like claymation stop motion when they're running that's aged pretty poorly all the other vfx actually hold up pretty well a lot of it is practical effects yeah and that was Mm -hmm. one thing that 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 struck me um first of all in the in the library scene in the yeah that that first scene Mm -hmm. the scene where the the Uh cards come out of the card catalog you know, I mean, simple mm-hmm. little things like that. You don't think about, you know, you know, here they go. And they just, the things that are flying back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. across the aisles behind the librarian. These are all practical effects that were used masterfully. And they use practical effects all throughout mm-hmm. the movie masterfully. And then they supplemented them with animation mostly. Yeah. Um, except with the hellhounds, which I agree that when they're in motion, it's a little bit janky looking. Now, back in the day, I'm here to tell you, in 1984, they looked amazing to us. Because we were were not used to anything of that caliber. Yeah, it's like, we were used to like fucking Flash Gordon and that you know, <laughs> the, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. The thing that really blew me out of the water was whenever Pecker does shut off everything and we have that explosion. And you can tell that the explosion mm-hmm. fr- at the top of the building is actually a miniature. Mm-hmm. If you stare at it, you can see that it's a miniature that yeah. they implant- implanted mm-hmm. yeah. in there because there's movement in the background. And it was just so geniusly done. Even when the souls and the energy mm-hmm. is escaping through, it's dated. It is dated. But it still stands strong. You can tell where, uh, when it's flying through the buildings, where they started and where they ended it. But it still stands. It still has better effects than some of the really independent stuff you can watch on Amazon Prime that's done today. Mm-hmm. It still mm-hmm. holds its ground with, with that level of stuff. Or half of the modern stuff on the CW. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, even some, some even some of the stuff that was like more uh, animation, they, they were really smart with the way they designed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'll go to, to Slimer. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, the design for Slimer was really smart in terms of the limitations of what they do. We're just going to do this green blob ghost and mm-hmm. it works so well. Like I, I, I like the fact that a lot of the, that the ghosts don't look particularly mm-hmm. uh, like m- many of the ghosts don't look human. You almost think like Slimer is an interesting ghost to me because like I, I almost wonder if um, Slimer in life was like this morbidly obese person Glutting. who just like was was gluttonous. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and this is like this is almost like kind of the, the the pure form of 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 this of whoever this person was. 
that mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's still trying to just eat everything and i mm-hmm. love i love seeing you know the food and the wine just go right through it i think is is really interesting and like i, I, I think it's, it's so interesting the way that they kind of did that kind of uh ghost character as opposed to like the librarian who does look more human but mm-hmm. has this kind of scary form that that she goes into with a taxi driver who literally just looks like a you know partially mummified uh, skeleton exactly yes. it's interesting that there's different types of ghosts uh that that, that they encounter mm-hmm. yeah that they that they're, they're they're not all cut from the same cloth but they, they still feel mm-hmm. of the same universe yeah so i think that they're really kind of uh smart and really creative with a lot of the 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 creature and ghost designs i think the one thing that stuck with me when i was a kid it scared the shit out of me when i first watched it but as i as i grew older i started to love it but that cabbie um the 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 energy going Mm -hmm. into the tailpipe of that cab but the animatronic itself of the cabbie the big green eyes and the way it moves, it stuck with me. And when I watched it, I got to be honest, when I sat down to watch this, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to I'm going to be so sad at the end because I'm going to I'm going to hate a lot of the things that I loved about this movie. But I was so wrong and I'm glad I was so wrong. Uh, seeing that cabbie just brought all of that, all of those feelings back when I was a kid. I was like, I can see why I was scared of that zombie looking creature. Because he's scary looking and he's beautiful and he mm-hmm. still stands strong. I was really impressed. Yeah, I like how how like how the ghosts kind of have a connection to their previous lives. I mean, and that that goes along with what you're saying about Slimer. You know, the cabbie, the librarian. You know, I mean, so clearly, yeah, I think Slimer was some fat little yes fuck who uh, couldn't stop <laughs> that eating. That bastard lived on the twelfth floor <laughs> exactly. and couldn't stop eating. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of creatures, like and we, we kind of touched on the the hell dogs as well, but uh, but what do we think of Gozer? You know, kind of the main the the villain entity. Uh, I I I think it's interesting. You know, of course that that Gozer can assume any any shape, but like when they first encounter it. You know, as as Egon says, it's whatever it wants to be. But they first encounter it. Is this this weird kind of like gymnast lady who's like flipping around? Yeah. It's like it's really weird. But <laughs> I always thought she looked like Sheena Easton, and that's like an eighties yeah. reference. Y'all need to look up Sheena Easton. She looks just like her. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what everybody, all of my friends thought when we saw it. It's like, was that Sheena Easton in Ghostbusters? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. I think it's interesting that, she, first of all, Gozer wasn't in it very much, mm-hmm. but it kind of makes sense because Gozer is a god, essentially, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're really not going to go up against a god. I mean, there's no way they could have, like, yeah. fought, actually fought a god, no. you know, and mm-hmm. so the, the way they handled it, fighting the Avatar and closing the door before mm-hmm. Gozer could do any more damage, I think, was was the was good writing that was a, a good solution although it did make the climax kind of shorter than you would I- mm-hmm. imagine it, it should be but i felt like it was perfect it was a comedy so oh, yeah. that's yeah. that's the reason why it was done that it was all this absolutely yeah you don't want a big yeah. drawn out fight yeah. Oh, yeah. with a god vince was saying a lot of weird shit but he did like directly state it's like yeah, Gozer's going to come down, they're going to take on a shape, and uh, that shape is going to be what, you know, is used to eliminate them. Mm-hmm. So you already knew that it wasn't going to be, like, 
pure Gozer. It was going to be like a specified form, although the form was like way more hilarious than we originally thought. Right. <laughs> yes. Hey, and how come it wasn't J. Edgar Hoover? I, I always said that. It, re- it actually should yeah. I, the only thing that I can think of is that Vankman just says shit without even th- having it in his head. Like he does, like he's he's not even thinking Doesn't about even shit. Count it's, count. it's just it's just verbal <laughs> diarrhea for him, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I also agree, it really should have been J. Edgar Hoover. It, yeah. like, because like, yeah. I feel like I feel like when he don't said think that, about J. Edgar Hoover, you have chosen your. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. But now, he must have just said the words without actually thinking of J. Edgar Hoover, and I feel like. Vankman is the only character who I can kind of buy can actually do that, can just say something without Thinking even it. having it in his head at all. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, I mean, that kind of does bring us to the Safe Puff Marshmallow Man, who's, again, just a hilarious uh, climax. But We want to talk about effects. Like, oh that, my God. That yeah, that those effects oh are God, amazing. Yes. Like, the one issue, which I think is purely as a result of the fact that we're watching it in high quality now, mm-hmm. a quality that wasn't even really available in theaters, is that there's one shot where one of his legs look is actually a little transparent. Um, oh. And you can see the buildings on the other side of it. That is the high, high definition. That, yeah. Literally one shot that I only noticed like this yeah. time watching it. And the rest of it looks fantastic. He looks great. Mm-hmm. The the only shot that looks janky is when he steps on the church. Yeah. Like oh, it, yeah. it doesn't really mm-hmm. yeah. That shot, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's the shot mm-hmm. that looks kind of janky because like nothing like you see it, it looks like he's stepping like sort of behind the church because the church doesn't like cave in mm-hmm. or do anything mm-hmm. from from being stepped on. But it's also I mean it, it's it's just payoff for the line. Nobody steps on a church in my town. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I Exactly. But yeah, it looks great. I mean, and and I love the fact like you, you can tell that it's a guy in a suit, but it looks really good. And the fact that it is like it, it's very much a uh, homage to the classic Godzilla, uh, Godzilla kaiju movies. Yeah, it is. So no, it's like I, I just love the fact that um, this is like the the least threatening looking. Yeah kaiju that you can come up with but it, just, yes. but it works like like it's it's hilarious but it also does feel like it has stakes and it is an epic conclusion to to the film at the same time this, i love i love when the destroyer of worlds so. i say when they're when they're closing the the door you know the the gateway mm-hmm. you can see the the stay puff marshmallow mom behind him and he's like ah and then he goes when he's watching that. I love that. That scene, that part cracks me up every time. <laughs> I love that when he explodes, you find out that he's actually made out of marshmallow. Yes. That's oh, yeah. too. <laughs> like, like, he actually is made out of marshmallow. Uh, and I, I just love the visual that the, th- the the three Ghostbusters who are just covered head to toe with marshmallow goop and Vakeman barely has anything yes, on him. Yes, he's got somehow. a little bit on the top he's of his head. He's got a little thing <laughs> in his hair. Yeah. He, he ducked out of the way just in time. <laughs> yes. It's like they ask him, are you okay? And he's like, he goes, yeah, I'm fine. It's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, that would have been a really fun yeah, set. Such a great climax. And I, I agree with you that I'm glad that the climax isn't more drawn out no. than it is. Because I think in a comedy, mm-hmm. you, you, you don't want this big 20-minute no. you know, long fight scene. Like, it's it's mm-hmm. perfect for what it is. It's it's just epic enough to feel like a dramatic climax. But it, it it's it's pretty quick. Like, it's it's a good, yeah. quick movie, you know. It's, it, we're not trying to spend so much time on on this drawn out climactic battle writing that 
perfect line, literally the perfect razor-thin line between too hilarious to take any of this seriously and extremely dramatic and epic. <laughs> no, that's the thing, and I, I think that this this movie kind of writes that line of it being obviously a hilarious and funny and absurd movie, but it's it's you can take it's just serious enough. It has just enough of an actual plot. I think that that's mm-hmm. what works about it is that it's not just it's not purely just we're giving these comedians an opportunity to just riff off of each other and make these these one-liners it has it good characters own, it yeah. has a good storyline and i think that i think that that's mm-hmm. what makes this uh i think it's what makes this movie like a, a classic mm-hmm. it's what makes it timeless and it's what what makes it able to spawn this this franchise of of films and animated series and video games and i was prepared to have this conversation i bought marshmallows because after i watch ghostbusters i always want marshmallows <laughs> at the end i get hungry too when they when they roast him yes. i think he looks really good every time i also man. think when when they fry him i i also think it's like this must be the best smelling yes. kaiju of all time. It must smell great up there. Yeah, when it gets singed, yeah. I would, love sure. see, I would love to see Godzilla fight the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in person because I would eat that shit up. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Roasted marshmallows. Just follow, just follow behind the battle and wait for like bits of marshmallow to blow off. <laughs> like, honey, I shrunk the kids. Don't worry about the radiation. Where they have that fine. giant uh, 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 oatmeal cream sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that yes, that always uh, that always made me kind of yeah, hungry as a kid this too. Scene. Yeah. Like that was good, even though even though it's been lying in the grass, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you still you still want it. (laughs) I got prepared today. I was like, I'm gonna get some marshmallows because I'm gonna want some after this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, absolutely. I think we're about winding down. So, uh, Troy, do you want to give your overall thoughts? Sure, absolutely. What is there to say? It's it's a piece of my childhood, and it's it still has that feel. It still takes me away to being a child. I love this movie, and I always will. And now, almost forty years after it was made. Some of the VFXs have just started to fade. Like uh, Zach said, I think that has to do with the high quality that we up. Because if you go back and watch Buffy, even though the show Mm -hmm. was really good, the special effects don't work because it's been upgraded to be um, high definition. And Mm -hmm. special effects... They, they are limited. You have to shoot them a certain way. You have to make them a certain way. So it is what it is. The, the only way to really, truly have great special effects, and this is my personal theory, but I have also found, it, found other filmmakers to say it, is that you have to have a practical. First and foremost, you have to have a practical. I don't care if that practical is a miniature set or... or flying books you have to have a practical to build your your virtual onto only then will you actually have something that will last 
and and stay the the test of time. And this movie proves that writing the script if you do read the script um it, it is on simple scripts uh they have two drafts on there and if you read it you will see how much that they did improv and that's something that a comedian is going to do i am a comedian filmmaker i direct other things other than comedy that i do not write and i always take the writer into consideration but when i write a film i write everything to be improv we do it to a t to the script and then I'm like all right let's have some fun because it makes it better and what makes it better is as you're going through and doing your scenes you're going to come up with an inside joke and you're going to have you're going like the the door closing and him being locked out or whatever and that builds to the film being better this movie unlike the movies we watch today I've said this before on this podcast, and I'm going to say it again. Unlike the movies we watch today, movies we watch today, they do not, they do not invest in their cast. They do not hire someone else to play larger roles. They do not hire an unknown to play a larger role. Here in Hollywood, you have to prove yourself. And the way you have to prove yourself is by scraping at the bottom of the barrel until you get noticed. And then they work you in in smaller roles, which is okay because we're actors and we do have, as Stella Adler says, we do have to learn to be the spearman before we can learn to be the hero or before we can learn Mm -hmm. to be the villain. That's the way acting goes. So I'm not complaining about that, but I am saying that this movie made careers. This movie took actors that didn't have the largest of names and put them together in a combination and they played off of each other and it made careers. And not only did it make careers, it furthered careers and it created a franchise that lasts to today. We're doing this because we love it. One and two, we're doing this because we have a new film coming out overall. This is gold, and Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd are two of the biggest geniuses you could have ever met. It breaks my heart that Harold Ramis is not in this world, but the most beautiful thing is that we have all of his horcruxes that we get to watch over and over and over again. We get to see those pieces of souls, and this is one of his pieces of souls. It's Ghostbusters is a piece of his soul, and it's and it's beautiful, and it makes me happy, and I get a little weepy at the end because... I think about Harold Ramis and I'm so happy that I experienced it when I was younger and I'm happy to experience it now. And I have to give it a a 10 out of 10 with all of its flaws. It will still always be a classic. So this one, I don't know why, but this was not as much a part of my childhood growing up. I was aware of it, but I think it was actually pretty late that I actually first saw this movie. So this one doesn't have quite the same big wave of nostalgia for me. What it does have is some of the best comedians of the day playing off of each other in a fun as hell movie that is an excellent uh sci-fi um horror uh romp with the dead and also one of the most innovative comedies such that people are still taking stuff away from it it's a really great movie i absolutely love it i could endlessly listen to the back and forth between uh dan Aykroyd, bill murray and hale ramus some parts of it are a little dated but it was also like clearly some of the best work of its day 
yeah, I absolutely love it. I'm going to have to give it a 10 out of 10, too. Just a really quick history of uh, my history with this movie. And that's I was 16 years old when this movie came out. So you can do the math. And I lived in Podunk, California, <laughs> out in the middle of the desert. We had a tiny little theater that had four screens. We, we were big time. We had four screens. <laughs> two of which were usually R-rated movies, so we didn't get to see... We usually only kind of went between two. And of course, back then, movies stayed in theaters forever. I mean, they would literally stay for like a year. You know, you'd have the same movie. I mean, we had HBO. HBO came out about late 70s but most a lot of people didn't have hbo yet so the movie theater was was what it was at and we would go every weekend this was playing and gremlins was playing and so we would go every weekend and we would go to one or the other ghostbusters then gremlins then ghostbusters then gremlins then ghostbusters and gremlins so i am not kidding when i tell you i have seen this movie in the theater probably shit i probably did it for months so i mean we're talking like 20 times 25 times in the theater at least um and then of course we had hbo so when it came on hbo i watched it every single time it came on hbo (laughs) then when it came out on vhs i bought it on vhs then on dvd now i have it on blu-ray so i have literally seen this movie probably Yes. 50 times. I think that might be a conservative estimate. It might be a conservative estimate. I was reminded of how many times I've seen it when I was watching it today. I literally can do all the dialogue. I mean, I can just do it, you know, with with the actors because I've seen it so many times. But you know what? The, The moral of the story is it doesn't fucking matter because... It's like I was watching it for the first time. I laughed like I was watching it for the first time. I was excited. I was so happy to be there watching it. And it's because it is, in my opinion, a perfect movie. It has the best actors, the best characters, the best writing. It's a perfect movie. And I've got to give it a 10 out of 10. And that's the reason why I wanted to have you as as a guest on this podcast, because you do have that experience of being a first run view of the movie. And you're also the reason why I love this movie. You and dad Mm -hmm. showing me this movie uh, when I was a kid, introducing it to me on VHS and then I would watch it on DVD and Blu-ray as, as 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 I got older, and it really is one of the best comedies ever made. Yeah, it's one of those things where sometimes when you revisit like a nostalgic movie from your childhood, and you're like, you know, that wasn't really as good as it was like when I was a kid, or like it doesn't really hold up as well. It's not really as good as I remember, and it always amazes me. I'm always waiting for that to happen with Ghostbusters, and it never does. Mm-mm. It gets better, if anything. I, I pick up on things that I, I didn't pick up as a kid, you know, the double entendres <laughs> that went over my head. Like, like it's it's the things that, you know, like I like you appreciate it as uh, on one level. And that's a, that's a brilliant thing about movies like this where you can enjoy them when you're a kid and you appreciate them in one way you're, when you're a kid, but you appreciate it in this whole other way when you become an adult. Mm-hmm. And I think that, Again, that's kind of the, the, the brilliance of this movie and just the chemistry yeah. of the cast, the writing, the improvs, the direction by Ivan Reitman, who I also want to get, give a shout out to as well. The score is great. You know, the, the stupid theme song by Ray Parker <laughs> yes! Jr. is just fun. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> yes. I've, I've been, hunting, I've been humming that to myself feel good. all day. <laughs> <laughs> this is what... 
Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things like that theme song shouldn't work, but for some reason it does. Like it should be. It's, like it's so dumb. It's such a stupid song, but it somehow completely works, and it's it's so much a part of the the iconography of this movie. And this thing, there's so much about this this movie that just the the. That that's just become so iconic, you know the proton packs. Those those like mm-hmm. again, like you look at the the Ghostbusters costumes, like it's so like shabby and frumpy. They're just wearing these gray jumpsuits with the you know, the, but like it's so it's become so iconic, you know those proton packs and the you know the just the Ghostbusters logo, the ecto ectomobile, which is this really shitty car that they just paid white put the Ghostbusters logo onto, but that has also become iconic, you know, just the the firehouse that is their their headquarters. All of this just becomes such a big part of pop culture, and this movie just withstands the test of time. And I I'm also I I can quote this is one of the most quotable movies ever. It really is. It's one of the funniest movies yes. ever but the reason it endures is because like it, it it really does have heart it has an earnestness to it it has a good storyline and it, it 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 has great world building uh as well which i think that world building is why it makes a great franchise and i can't express enough how excited i am for ghostbusters afterlife because I think that every, yes. like, every time I watch uh, mm-hmm. either of the – there's two trailers for it. Every time I watch either of the two trailers for it, I really do – I get emotional. Mm-hmm. Like I get kind of teary-eyed yeah. a little bit because like it has such it has such a reverence. To, just from the trailers, it seems like it has such a reverence for the original. Yes. And it's, it's, it's a passing of the torch for the characters yes. and also the filmmakers. It's directed by Jason Reitman, the son of Ivan Reitman. And it just it – just, it feels right. I'm sorry, Troy. It feels right in a way that Ghostbusters 2016 just didn't for me. But obviously, in this this movie is a ten out of ten. I mean, I know I'm kind of being around the bush here, but this movie <laughs> it, it is it is obviously a ten out of ten. It's absolutely one of my favorite movies. Having said all of that, Zach, where can the folks find you? The folks can find me on Facebook as Zachariah Schneider on Twitter as Zachariah Schnet four Zachariah S C H N E four. They can find me on the Instagrams as the Zaman T H E Z A M M I N. Oh, I get kicked off of the corner of Hollywood and Vine. I was making too much business, so you can't find me there anymore. Oh. I tried, <laughs> but you can. Competition is rough these days. But I will be doing a performance. I don't know if this will be out before November fifth. This should come out the weekend of Halloween, okay. so you, you will actually get a chance so to plug that. Yes. I am uh, debuting my one-person show, One Bad Meh, wah, whatever they are. Uh, <laughs> um, I hope that everybody will come see me. It will be at the Milledgeville Players headquarters, their little theater. They haven't had a live performance since um, before COVID. So um, we're doing a little testing, and this will be the only time the tickets will only be $10 to come see me. Uh, I'm hoping to get as many people in as possible, buy as many people. There's probably only going to be up to 50 seats. It's not going to be a lot of seating because of uh, regulations. They have a smaller theater Mm -hmm. there. It will be filmed so that I can use it to book other places and get my tour together for next year. So um, tickets go on sale at www.troyhensley.com. 
next week. Uh, that's T-R-O-Y-H-E-N-C-E-L-Y.com. So hopefully I will see familiar faces there. I couldn't think of anywhere else. This, uh, this stand-up is very personal to me. So uh, stand-up and acting is therapy and... <laughs> Oh boy, get ready. But you can also find me at Troy Hensley on Facebook and Instagram and the Troy Hensley on TikTok and the other social media. What is it? Twitter? Yeah, Twatter. That's right. Yeah. Twatter? <laughs> Twatter. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, remember that for uh, the viewers who live in Millersville, Georgia, all one of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sam Wilson. You can follow me at SCWilson underscore actor on Instagram. You can follow my band Running Riot at Running Riot Band on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow Nerd Shit at the Nerd Shit Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or on Twitter at the Nerd Shit. We release episodes weekly. Up next, we've got Dune, the new Dune, directed by Denis Villeneuve from 2021. So we're going to be uh, seeing that movie this weekend and we will be reviewing that film as well brand new movie very excited to see it i forgot to let you do your plugs mom i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't gonna say nothing bad son Mama, it is always wonderful having you on the podcast. You are our, our most repeat guest that we've had so far. I, I consider you to be the fourth member of the podcast. Oh, uh, well, thank you. That's kind. So, mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, Tommy Scoggins, but you, you, you left us like after like five weeks. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no. Uh, where can the folks find you, Mom? They can find me on Instagram. At Shadywill, S-H-A-Y-D-E-E-W-I-L. And that's all I'm going to give. That's all I got to say about that. I will say you should spank his tank tank (laughs) now that he forgot to include you. So, you know, spank the tank, spank the tank. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to make a birthday cake for him tomorrow, too. I don't know now. Not now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we do have Dune coming up next week, so please uh, keep an ear out for that. For Zack Schneider, Troy Hensley, Sharon Wilson, I'm Sam Wilson. Thank you for joining us for Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit makes me feel good. Nerd (laughs) Shit. It's Miller time. Nerd Shit. So strap on in, cause we're talking about the nerd shit